this morning, uh, if you would dig out that insert, it says uh, it, it has a target on the backside. So if you've got the right page open, it's highlighted three M's of a vision that sticks. And um, I don't know how to, how to phrase this, how I want you to put it, but you know, one of the most exciting things happening at New Life um, is people. That's the blank. If you don't have a pen, we'll throw one at you. Um, but uh, one of the most exciting things happening at New Life is you. It means people. And that's because that's what God wants. He wants his church full. He wants his kingdom full. And so what happens is he draws us to himself. He wants us to have that. I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you really were, were hungry or, or you really wanted, you couldn't wait for a, for a, a, a social gathering, a, a sporting event, a holiday. You just wanted to be around people. And uh, I'll tell you that that's put there by God himself. See, he gives you that desire to want to be around because believe me, there are times where I don't want to be around people. Anybody with me? Where sometimes you don't want to be around anybody. You're sick of people. Huh? I'm sick of people. I'm sick of this and I'm sick of you, as Joel says sometimes. Um, I can get sick of people, but that's just a sickness of my flesh, see? That's just when we get overwhelmed by things of this world, when we take our eyes and we focus them on our, 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 our circumstances sometimes, and we lose sight of what we're really here for. We're, we're here to be a blessing to other people, literally, and to be a blessing to God. And he's blessed when we accomplish what he wants. So one of the most exciting things happening at New Life is people. And so I'm glad you're here with us this morning. The three M's of a vision that sticks, I'm going to have to kind of fly today. So you might hear me talking even faster than I normally talk. No, I won't do that. Um, I will have to cover a lot of detail. You'll know it as we progress through this little full page insert folded in half (laughs) that you'll know where we're going. The first thing I want you to know, the three M's of a vision that sticks, the first M is mission. That's what. Mission is, is what. It's what the church is about, what God has called us to. For us, it's, it's a matter of this. You're going to see it in just a minute. I'll give you the three M's, and then I'm going to break them down a little bit. The, the first one is mission. The second one is mandate. Mandate means why. Because God's given us a mandate that we're supposed to do something. We're supposed to accomplish something. Most of you work in places where you've got a very clearly defined goal. You understand exactly what the, the job requires, what your job description. You have even a job description that lays it all out for you. So it's no mystery. See, the church has the same thing. We have a mandate that's been given to us by God. That's the, the why. So we got the what is the, is the mission. We got the why, which is the mandate. And the how is called the method. That's the third M, the method. How are we going to get this done now, knowing what we have to do and why we're going to do it? How are we going to get her done? So say, get her done. Get her done. Yeah, get her done. So the three M's of a vision that sticks. Our mission here, if you want to fill in the blank, uh, a great commitment, two M's, one T, a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will result in a church with a great condition. A great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will result in a church with a great condition. See, that's Ephesians 4, 16 specifically. I didn't put the reference there, but that's what it is. And what it talks about is the whole church being built up and being established. And so there's a great diagram. I'm trying to think if it's on here. It's uh, not on here, but that's okay. It's out hanging on the wall. When you walk out here, you just look down the hallway, look up. And right there is this humongous four by four. There's two of them that talks about our uh, mission and our vision. And uh, Joel asked me a couple years ago, Dad, why, uh, what's the simplest thing we could say to what we do, what our job is? And I said, Joel, it's simple. You know, we exist, and this is something God really just has done in my heart through 14 years here, and that is we exist to lead people to the greatness of God. Not the greatness of us, not the greatness of our church, not our location, not the music, not but the greatness of God. See, because if you have him and he's your priority, then everything else in your life is going to work out. So a great commitment to the great commandment. The great commandment is, Jesus says, that you're supposed to love God and love one another. That's the great, it's, he says, this is, everything else is summed up in these two. See, to love God, see, and to love one another. And so that's the, that's the, the great commitment to that commandment to love God, love one another. And the great commission, which was to go out and to make him known, make disciples, teaching them to obey, baptizing. Those are the, the things that he's given to the church. So that's part of the mission. 
And ultimately, if we do those things, that in Ephesians 4, 16, 11 through 16, it talks about how the church will be built up and established, and it'll grow, and it'll be strong and firm. And this is the, this is the order. This is the way God said, it'll work if you do it my way. This is what you'll have. So a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will result in a church with a great condition. Amen? Here's the mandate. The mandate is three specific words that God has given to me that uh, I was kind of like God. This was a broken and a hurt church when I came here. And uh, what happened is, is there, there were all kinds of issues. I mean, the devil himself tried to come against it. And according to words, uh, God's word, he said that hell itself won't prevail against his church. When I came here, the attempt had been made <laughs> trying to kill this church off. But God has a purpose for, for New Life Fellowship for this church. It's his idea, not our idea. And so what happens is, is hell itself couldn't prevail. And so when I came here, one of the things was a desperation to see uh, brokenness, you know, those who were broken, to see them lifted up and, and established again in, in his truth, to see those who have been weeping, to see rejoicing come, to see that he would take us up out of those ashes and begin to give us the health and wholeness that we can get in him. And so, you know, part of my heart cry is, God, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. And... Um, he, he, he gave me one morning, he gave me a uh, early morning, he gave me this, this thing. And he said, if, and it's an answer to my heart cry for this church. And he said, if you would be unhindered, that's your first blank. If you would be unhindered. Now think about what that means, what hinders you. There are things that hinder you. Now I'm getting older where certain things physically hinder me. You know, just I've lost a step. I'm not quite as fast. I don't see as good. I don't hear as good. I don't remember as good. Some of you are worse than me. <laughs> okay? So here's what happens is um, I realize there's a lot of things that hinder me. Sometimes it's sin. Sometimes it's my own stupid choices. It's sometimes the way I respond. It's how I treat people or don't treat people. So sometimes I'm, I'm my own worst enemy. Anybody there with me? Sometimes you're your own worst enemy. And so uh, to be unhindered is the first one. The second one is he said that if, you would, uh, if you're unhindered, he said you would experience the unprecedented. Unprecedented. That's your second blank. The unprecedented. So if you would be unhindered, you would experience the unprecedented. And because of the unprecedented, you will be undaunted. Undaunted. You ever heard about a daunting task? A daunting task is like you say, oh, there's no way this is going to happen. Man, they gave me a deadline, and they, they've given me a budget, and there's no way to make this happen. And it seemed daunting. And so, you know, I love the idea that, you know, they say, how do you eat an elephant? And I say, I don't. Um, but how would you eat a, a cow, one bite at a time kind of deal? That's, that's what you have to do. You, but you have to have a mission. You have to have a vision. You have to have something that is before you. I told Joel, I said, it's like taking a 1,500 puzzle piece okay, 1,500-piece puzzle, jigsaw puzzle, and you say, here it is, and you scatter it on a big table, and then you take the cover away. What, 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 give, me the, give me the box cover. What, what, what do you need that for? You know, well, so I can put, the, put it together. See, we've got to have a picture before us so we can actually put it together the way it's designed to be put together. And, and you might find a piece that will fit somewhere else, but it, it doesn't fit according to the pattern to the picture, the colors, whatever it is, there's a specific place where that goes. So here's the deal. We could all probably put together the frame, couldn't we? And then we might sit there and come up with something based on the color and the frames. But when I get to the middle of that picture, I got a bunch of mess and I'd be really frustrated. And that's kind of what it's like trying to do things on your own without a vision from God. You begin to just try all kinds of things. You begin to put your hands and you're busy going about all kinds of things and doing what you think is right. But what happens is that's where it says to Jesus, they said, didn't we sing and dance? And didn't we cast out demons in your name? And he says, away from me. I never knew you. You didn't have my vision. You weren't doing my mission. You weren't serving my purpose. You were doing your own thing. Say own thing. Yeah, your own thing. You're doing your own thing. So here's what it is. The mandate is very clearly, if this church would be unhindered, which means these people, that means you and me, if we'll be unhindered, we would experience the unprecedented. Guess what? That's the heart cry for us to see Jesus, for us to hear his voice, for us to know his will, for us to experience all the benefits of his power. 
See, for healing, for, for deliverance, for whatever we need for us to get that. So we need to be unhindered is the first one, unprecedented, undaunted. Here's what we do. We call part of our mission and vision, we call it the cycle of new life. And in that, we start with what's called a powwow. On the big sign banner, it's three foot by seven foot out there in the hall. You can barely miss it. It welcomes you when you come, but as you leave, it says, what's next? What's next is the cycle of new life is we call it powwow with the pastor, which gives you an opportunity to get to know me a little bit, maybe the mission and vision of the church, um, but to ask whatever you've always wanted to know about church, but you were afraid to ask. You get to ask those questions, and we'll explain it. We'll tell you how we handle monies and integrity and how we do the things and why we do certain things. And if you don't have stuff to say, um, we'll, we'll share with you. But then beyond that, you get to share some of the lives, some of your own struggles, some of your own dreams, some of your own life with us, and it helps us. So we, we like to call that tearing down walls. We, 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 we believe God's called us to be this family, and so we have to... We have to really uh, kind of bear our souls somewhere along the way. So that's part of what the powwow is. Then beyond that, we've got Christian Life and Service Seminar, which is class, class 101 through 401. Class 101 is about belonging. It's about some churches would call that membership. I'm not too hooked up on the membership idea, but I am on the belonging idea. And membership for me means I belong in this boat. This boat is going to a specific destination. And so I just want to challenge old ideas and attitudes about, me, about uh, membership just to say that's what it means is you buy a ticket and you want to go to Chicago, that, that's where you get on a plane going to Chicago. You don't get on a plane going to New Delhi. See what I mean? So in this case, hey, we're here because we believe in the mission and vision and what God's called this church to. And so class 101 is about belonging. Class 201, uh, 201 which we're doing both this today. Two from six today, we're doing both these classes. You go from 101 to 201. 201 is about spiritual growth. It's about maturity. Some of us have never been discipled. We never sat in, a, in an intentional discipleship process. That's what we're asking the church to do, and we just initiated it. We just started it back in the fall, and so we're in the middle of that. We're going to offer these classes every month, and it's a four-hour class for each one. You get done, you've got 16 hours of training. Don't you think you ought to have that kind of training to be able to, to live life the way God wants you to live? See, and so took Jesus, he was with the disciples for three, roughly three years, three and a half years. We're just looking for you to give 16 hours, and I'm telling you, you'll be better off for it. So class 201 is about spiritual growth or maturity. Class 301 is actually about ministry. Each one of us has been designed, gifted by God with certain things. We call it shape, which means spiritual gifts, your heart. Heart isn't the muscle. Heart's the seed of what drives you and motivates you, inspires you. Uh, so it's spiritual gifts. It's heart. It's abilities. A lot of you have diverse abilities that God wants to use for his purposes. And then beyond abilities, you've got uh, personality. You've got a personality that's unique to you, unlike anybody else. Even in the midst of a family, you notice how diverse our personalities can be? There, I'm number nine of ten. I'm going to tell you, my mom wonders about all of us. We're all <laughs> whacked out in some special way. And so uh, we've got different personalities. And the last one is your experiences. You've got experience in places where you've gone in life, good, bad, and ugly. That matters. It's part of a, the culmination of who you are. And so uh, what we do is in these classes, we come to discover what it is that we're supposed to do with who we are, who God wants us to be now, and that's called ministry. And the last class, 401, is all about mission. It's about learning what are we supposed to do with who we are and what we've got. And so that's the purpose for the four classes. Some people have said, Pastor, you're really hooked on these class things. How about leaving that alone? No, I can't because that's discipleship. And if we're going to disciple people who come from all kinds of, of backgrounds, we're going to have to do it in a systematic way. And that's what I believe God has said for us. So I can't leave them until everybody goes through them, old or new. That's what it is. So I'm talking, yeah, yeah, I'm talking to you. Yeah, I'm talking to you. You need to go through the classes. And so we're going to have them every month, all year, till Jesus comes. This is something God said this church is going to do. So that's my heart. My heart is to train you up, to equip you, to empower you, to honor God with my, what I'm called to do, which is to train people up for the works of the ministry. That's Ephesians 4.11. Let me do my job. Get in the classes. Boy, that sounded demanding by pastor. 
Hey, the next one is life groups. You see it right there on your paper. Life groups means love, to, to love, to, to inspire, fellowship, and to engage. That's what I mean by life groups. Life groups is merely, that's the structure. You have a host. Somebody says, hey, I'm opening up my house, and we'll host somebody. And uh, there's going to be a leader, an assistant leader, and you meet regularly. That's what the early church in, in the book of Acts did. They were continually coming together and having fellowship. It's something that we can't do it enough by having even a two-hour service on a Sunday morning. That doesn't accomplish what God wants to do. We've got to take it beyond this. We've got a Wednesday night, a Bible study where we come. It's rather informal. But, uh, but then beyond that, we've got to get together. We've got to learn to, to love each other. We've got to learn about each other so that we can care, so we can be inspired by each other, so we can fulfill the two-way thing that God wants to do with me and in me, through you and for you. See? It's, 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 a, it's something he wants to do in us, all right? That's called life, life uh, groups. That's part of the cycle of new life. That's what you see out here on that big sign. Goals, my goal is to graduate 50% of new life. That's all I want for the, this year. I'm just hoping half of us will listen to what pastor said, hear the passion behind it, and understand why we need this so that we can actually establish a broad foundation so that then we can, we can build the kingdom on that, his kingdom, not mine. Get it? So graduate 50%. Is that pretty low? Well, pastor, you're not expecting much. Hey, listen, I'll be, I'll be just, I'll love that because then we're going for the other 50% next year. Get it? So life groups, you see it down there, love, inspire, fellowship, and engage. We've got, we've got groups. We need, we need groups to be established for young adults. We call a silver lining is for the, the older uh, elderly people. And uh, that can mean whatever that is for you. I'm not saying you're old. I'm just saying silver lining. There's still some, some, there's some, some light. There's some passion there. Prime time, that's my age. That's what I like to think of myself as prime time. All right. How about impact the culture? There's some things that this church is doing that I wanted to make you aware of. One is called Character Counts. We go into grades 2, 3, and 6, and we give them what's called the six pillars. And you see them down there, trustworthiness, respect, responsibility, fairness, caring, and citizenship. And what we do is we can't talk about God a whole lot, but these kids are always bringing up God and Jesus and Bible and church. And when they go there, we get to go there with them. See, now we're soft with them. We're delicate with it. We don't, we don't force things down their throat. But what we find is in these pillars of character are some principles that are really good spiritual principles that we can impart about caring and about sharing and about integrity. And, and so we get to talk to these kids about that. Um, one of the things that we want to launch is, is called Celebrate Recovery. And you can see there it's deliverance from drugs and alcohol. Do you know how many people are hooked on prescription drugs nowadays? Prescription drugs is becoming a major problem. Um, nowadays, we're going to have to deal with, with marijuana or cannabis, as they're calling it now. So it makes it sound a little different than, uh, than marijuana. Um, we're going to have to deal with those things. There's all kinds of conflict now about is marijuana good and bad? And what about medicinal? And so, you know, that's a reality that's showing up on our doorstep. And I believe that there's going to be uh, some people who abuse it like anything else. And we need to celebrate recovery. And so that's something that we, the best people to do celebrate recovery are those who have been through recovery and they can celebrate. See, so what I'm looking for is people to rise up, come through these classes. We'll discover that's part of your shape, part of what you're created for. And then we want to launch you into, hey, get this operating in the church so people can be set free. Amen? Amen. That was this half. I didn't hear this half. Amen. Okay. Um, Parenting seminar. That's coming up in August or September. And uh, we're actually looking at it. There's a couple who, uh, they have a biblical parenting university is what they call it. And uh, they'll come in. It deals with all age groups. We want to open up to the community. We want to open up the high school. If it's at the high school, I don't care. It doesn't have to be here. We just want to get this information and knowledge into the parents so that you have new skills and ways of dealing with uh, the, the, the kids. Um, so however they progress, it'll help you. You can apply them. Even I find... Some of the principles, because I follow this stuff, um, that I find even as a parent of young adults, I'm still parenting, and I'm still having to learn boundaries and things where, where, I, where I can go and where I can't go. Amen? And the last one is a marriage seminar. We actually, several couples, uh, where are you? Raise your hand if you went to the marriage conference. There you go. We had several couples went to the marriage conference. It was a retreat called Weekend to Remember up in Akron. 
um, back a couple weeks ago. And um, was it a waste of time? No? You sure? Come on. You've been through this before. You've been married so long. You knew it all, didn't you? (laughs) You knew it. You just weren't applying it. So what happened is you learned how to make application now of your truth. Amen? I pray that it saved some marriages, that it rescued some people from just going through the motions. So they're going to have another one, I believe, up in Pittsburgh in the fall. So we're going to plan for a marriage weekend to remember up in Pittsburgh. Hopefully that'll be in the fall. Go ahead and turn the page with me. Say you're going to have to go faster. All right, ready? This is what we need to do. Is, is, uh, we called it increased presence and participation. Some people don't like social media, but it's here. It's here, and it is prospering, and it's having its way. So the church ought to get up to speed with how to utilize it in holy and good divine purposes. So we've got uh, social media and communication. If you're, a, so if you're one of those people that just, that's, you eat, sleep, and drink that stuff, you need to come see me because we could use you to help communicate uh, on our Facebook page. Uh, I've just joined Twitter. I'm trying to get, uh, get, get a little up to speed on the Twitter atmosphere and what tweeting means because uh, usually it means speaking shorter than what I normally speak. So it's a good discipline. We have a website that we need somebody to upgrade and keep current for us. And so uh, I'd love to have somebody working with that on me. It's part of what we don't really do very well because I just don't have time. So social media and communication. The other is we call it uh, New Life on the City. And uh, the city is really social. It's like Facebook for the church. When we have that, it's not into the World Wide Web. It's not going to anybody, you know, like Facebook can. Um, this is restricted as password, and it's a matter of invitation, and then it's exclusive to New Life Fellowship. And so as we build bridges and we get to know each other, we have a protected community, or let's call it a gated community, where you can come into and uh, share. It's not near as dynamic as Facebook, I admit that, but it's, uh, it's really just how good it is depends on us getting in there and posting and sharing our lives with it. And what I find is most people don't go into there, they go into Facebook. So it's just something for us to get used to because I don't need to know somebody's friend's 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 friend and see their post. What I would like to do is see your post, see, and that's what it does. All right, moving on. Local missions, okay? Local missions simply means it's the shepherd's heart, the shepherd's heart. You know, the the local missions we do, His Thousand Hills is summer camp where we send our kids coming up in June. There'll be a junior camp and a senior camp. We have people who will go there who are part of that, that will, uh, we're going to ask for people to go and help with crafts, help with cooking, help with being counselors. Some of the uh, teens will be actually junior counselors. They'll help with the uh, younger kids. So that's a couple weeks that we do that in, uh, in uh, in the summer. Operation Christmas Child, uh, Terry and Ted uh, have uh, headed that up for us in the past. They, we did approximately 60, maybe 64 shoeboxes this year, I think it was, um, somewhere around 60. And so that's something we do as part of uh, Franklin Graham, his son, uh, Billy Graham's son, and it's called Operation Christmas Child, and we do shoeboxes, and we launch them out. They, they take them. How many was it, Terry? Do you remember how many millions now? Is it 100 million shoeboxes? It's something big like that. They've done over 100 million shoeboxes that they take them to places like Haiti or, or war-torn countries or places where they've experienced famine or usually extreme. But sometimes they take them into the inner cities here in the United States. So that's, uh, that's Operation Christmas Child. The, then we have local outreach, which is we've got a food pantry here in Shadyside we participate with. We go to the care center, which is uh, down in the end of town. We, uh, we help... Uh, many times uh, with the Loop Festival, we do a Christmas parade, community days, adopt a highway. <laughs> Those are all things that we're trying to be involved with because God said when I first came here is one of the things we needed to do is uh, many churches are kind of like us four and no more um, and cloistered somehow instead of being out and visible. We're supposed to be rubbing elbows with people in the community so that they can see the light that's in us. And so that's part of what has always been my mission People say, well, I don't understand. It just costs us money. It never makes us any money. Why would we be doing it? Because we're a nonprofit organization. I'm not here to make money. I'm here to make disciples. I'm here to see people getting saved, healed, and delivered. Amen? So, bottom line is, 
give it away. Get out there and, and share this light. Uh, Mops is called Mothers of Preschoolers, and uh, Gina, my daughter in love, is the one who uh, heads that up. She's got a committee. One of the things we need is, I think we had, did we have 12 moms here last time? I think we did, somewhere around 9 or 12. Pretty consistently, we've already gone, they've already gone beyond what, what they thought we would do. Um, we need people who are available to help with childcare, for example, because when the moms come for a, a little time, fun, but also for, for a little spiritual stuff, that uh, they, they, they take their kids and bring them into the nursery. Candy, I'm sorry, Candy's on the steering committee too, by the way. And so uh, what happens is we need people to, to come up here and, and take care of the kids and give moms a break. And so it's for specifically for moms of preschoolers. So that's MOPS. Financial Peace University, um, do you have those stats? Um, Ted and Terry just wrapped it up on Wednesday night. They've been doing nine weeks, and they just wrapped it up. So Terry had some uh, numbers, so go ahead. Um, we had six families that participated in our class this year. Um, we started with 14 credit cards. They cut up eight. They paid off $12,403 in debt. And they saved eighty-one twenty in nine weeks. Eight thousand bucks in nine. How many of you wish you could save eight thousand bucks in like nine weeks? I wish I had that much money so I could even think about saving it. See, so but but starting with fourteen credit cards, cutting up eight of them. That's that's important. How many of you have a hard time cutting up a credit card? Do you think? Huh? Come on, be honest. I know better. There's a lot of a lot of credit. So here's the thing: to to be able to say I'm not going to live based on pulling out my credit card. And, and just buying it, just fixing it, see? It's a discipline. So Ted and Terry will lead another one sometime in the fall. It's something we're committed to here, is to helping you to be a good steward with what God has given you. So please consider that as we uh, have classes in the future. Uh, World Vision is, uh, we participate, we're actually going to be doing one. I'm not sure if it's going to happen before summer or if it'll be in the, in the fall, but it's uh, one of the things we love to do. It's called the 30-hour famine. And... Um, that's just where we have a bunch of people. Chuck and Marilyn, you guys helped last time, and uh, wasn't that a blast? We had kids who come, don't even go to church that came for 30-hour famine because that's what God does is he moves on the hearts of people, see? And so we had kids who were coming here to be part of that, and we, we just go out and do different activities. We went to the Salvation Army. We went to, actually, they had an opportunity to help a family who was being kicked out of their house. So uh, the teens went and helped move a family that was just desperate all of a sudden. And um, there's things like that. We do some, some fundraising so we can send the money to World Vision. They're first on the scene in a lot of these countries around the world. They were with the tsunamis. They were down with the, the uh, earthquake in Haiti. And uh, World Vision just goes and gives stuff away. It's a great ministry. So that's under local missions. Global missions is called the Father's Heart. You have the shepherd's heart, which is local. You have the father's heart, which is global. Compassion International is something that we do. Compassion International, which we have two different kids that we support. And uh, we do that without, doesn't matter if we get donations. We've just committed that we're going to do that uh, on a monthly basis. So that's what we do. Um, the worldview, that's why that big map back there, if you didn't notice it, you can take a peek over your right shoulder or just behind your head. You can see the big world map. These are some of the flags of, uh, that we've supported in the past. So we've got both the state flags, Ohio and West Virginia. We also have, uh, let's see, Kazakhstan. We have um, Morocco. We have Mexico. And we have Jerusalem, um, so, or Israel. So those are the flags just back there, some, some uh, specific nations that we have a burden for. Um, that worldview, it's important because sometimes if you notice, living in a small town, we can get small-minded. And it's important for us to keep the big picture in, in mind that God is concerned, John three sixteen for the whole world. Amen? Ultimately, we have a new one that we're going to add on. Tom Brazell, by the way, he spoke here a couple weeks ago. He's our missions director. He'll be coming back. Uh, he wants to be part of the work here in this church, so he'll be coming back. Um, Living Waters is a ministry that I'm going to be introducing to the church. And um, we actually, when I first got saved, the church we went to in, in Pensacola, Florida, um, has a, a big outreach into Guatemala, and they've extended it now to Albania. And it's an orphanage and a feeding program where they teach, and then they care for these kids. And um, so my heart is for 
the, the orphans who many times are just set out and um, they're not placed, they're just left somewhere. And so uh, that's part of the global father's heart. And then uh, let's see what I've got. The next one is under financials. Um, part of my responsibility as a pastor and, and with this church as a nonprofit is that we're supposed to disclose our, disclose our finances. Some people who don't even give, you're going to get a little bit of information. Um, we actually went through a little bit of a tough time last year, but uh, God has taken care of, met the needs. Um, we had total income in this church is $225,000. That's not that big of a deal. Um, there are churches who I just saw where Joel Osteen's church in Houston, somebody robbed it, $600,000 was their local, that was their offering one day, one morning, $600,000, right? So um, for us, that's, that's more than our total income for a year. <laughs> hey, somebody has to be in Shadyside, Ohio. Guess who it is? It's us. So $225,000 out of that, we ended up spending, we spent 221000 of it. Guess why? Because we're going to do whatever God tells us to do. And that's the principle where we're not trying to save up a whole bunch of money. We're not building new storehouses and bank accounts. So uh, that's what we've done. We've invested it in a lot of different ways. Part of it is into the building and structure. Some things that you see, some of it's technology, some of it's salaries. We've got a, a percentage that they give, for example, that they say this is good stewardship if your percentages for how you spend your money fall into these categories. So uh, we'll open that up. Anybody who wants to see specifics, more detail, I don't mind giving you. But uh, I want you to know that, you know, our mortgage balance, we have, uh, as of the end of the year, it was 216000 Since then, we paid it down. It's, uh, I want to say it's closer to 212000 but it's still $200,000 mortgage that we have on the building here. We've, our payment's $1,754 a month. We paid $1,800 all last year. We bumped it up to $2,000 a month. So now our payment on this mortgage at the church is $2,000. We're paying a little extra toward principal. We had uh, received some specific gifts last year that helped us to put some toward our uh, debt. So in 2012, it was $232,000. So um, we're making some headway. Um, our goal is to be debt-free. Other than our mortgage, by the way, we end every year and always have since I've been here debt-free. We don't have any other bills. We don't carry forth any other kind of credit uh, except our mortgage. That's the only thing that we've ever had. So I believe we're in pretty, uh, pretty healthy that way. But then our, um, let's see, uh, we had savings account and our checking account. We have that. Checking always fluctuates, so, but we have uh, roughly $12,000 in savings. Okay, we're not running on a shoestring. We don't want to touch that money. That's a rainy day fund. When our furnaces go out or our air conditioning units, you know, we, we want to have the monies there to replace that. So we also do a ton of benevolence, which means helping people with gas, with utilities. Um, we try to be good stewards with that, but uh, it's part of our way to, to help people. So other than that, um, our estimated inventory, we have approximately $170,000 in inventory, which means everything from projectors to our sound equipment to all the stuff you'll see, that that's roughly what we have in uh, possession. If you did a total net worth for the church, our appraised property value back in 2012 was $505,000. So we own several acres, roughly 12 acres here, and um, that's uh, what we're valued at. Our total net worth, when you add everything together, is $514,000 to the good. So that's in general. It's healthy. Um, it could be better, but that's up to the people who come to this church. <laughs> Other than that, we'll share more details. For anybody, we're going to have an elders meeting. It won't be this Tuesday. It'll be coming up in two weeks. And at that meeting, we'll disclose to anybody who wants to know more. Uh, you're welcome to see it. All right? Say all right. Let's see. Financials. Wings, one of the things that you could do if you wanted to help Kevin Moore and Joel II is that they both are part of what's called Wings, which is a Winston I. Noon's growth seminar. That's up at Elam Bible Institute where I went to school. Um, it costs $700 a year for each one of them to participate in the program. And so it's going to be $2,100 each. Um, 
So $4,200 total to send them for a three-year program where they go four times a year and get specific training about leadership in pastoral ministry. It's our way of sowing a seed to train up and to equip Kevin and Joel specifically. Others could participate in that as we come through our classes, 101 through 401. That could be something someone here could do. It's a pretty big investment, so you can consider helping with Joel and and um, Kevin. Tithing, I just wanted to tell you, because that's what the early the church has called it. It's what church, most of the time you've heard the word tithe, and tithe means tenth, and ideally is that we take what is from the gross of our income, and we, we take, if you made $500 this week, you would cut a check for 50 bucks, and you would give that to the church. That's a tenth of that money. That's off of your gross. Any income you get, and if you're doing that all year long, then when it comes to income tax time, you don't have to give because you already paid uh, toward that. We don't work. The church doesn't work like the government. The government takes it right off the top. You don't get a choice in it. Um, the church, it's just based on your goodness and, and based on some obedience on, in your heart that you say, this is what uh, I know I'm supposed to do. This is what I can do. This is what I want to do. And so tithing is really a spiritual principle. And if you do that, you honor God. But here's the thing. Most people tithing is, is generally 10%. But you know what's happened? I was thinking about it the other day. We went to a restaurant, and I always tip bigger than 10% or 15% and even 20%. So I generally, I just like to bless people. And so when I'm there, I'll, I'll pay them even if they were, they were bad. I'll still give them a nice tip, but I make sure that I have a conversation with them so that I can change so that the next customer doesn't get what I just got. You see? And so what I love to do is I love to do that. And then I thought, well, I wonder if the church, if we've ever considered that sometimes we tip better than we tithe. We tip better than we do as far as giving anything into the local church, which has eternal consequences. See? And so maybe, maybe that's what you've been doing is you've been just been tipping, but you haven't even been tipping. And you're not tithing. And so we can say, well, we give. Give me a break. I put some money in the basket. Leave me alone. Just something for you to consider is that look back on how much you go out to eat and how much you left um, every time you go somewhere and you get served that you, you drop 10 bucks or 15 bucks for, for a tip. And you'll find out that you're doing a lot more tipping than you ever, so you give into that more than we're giving into the kingdom. Just a thought for you. Say, okay, no big deal, Pastor. But it is a big deal because it's how things get done in the church. The bottom line is, I'm asking for your help. I'm asking for you to consider in our classes, 101 through 401, you learn about the principle of tithing. You learn it's not a legal thing. It's not something we're twisting your arm with. It's something that you get to do. See, not that you have to do. It's that you get to do. So in that, uh, we're just asking for you. The blank there is the impact of giving. How can I help? And it's called the impact of giving. The impact of giving is, is you, you to help change lives. See, that's what, you, that's what you want to do. You want to change lives. Part of the thing we do is, um, oh, I'm sorry, I just see that I didn't fill in your blank on, on missions, spend or invest, why we give versus go. It's called a greater return on investment. You know, it costs about 3000 bucks if I was to go for a week and go to Haiti. It would cost me somewhere around $3,000 to be able to go there between flights and hotels and connections and food and whatever else. 3000 bucks, So I can go there and I'd say, wow, there's a lot of broken down buildings and a lot of pain and suffering and stuff I can see on TV. But if I send $3,000 over there, they get to take that money and they do a whole lot more than the few days that I might be there. So I'm not against missions and going there, but I feel like it's a better, better investment if we can give the money to that local people and they can, they can spend it where they know and where, where the greater need is. So that's why I believe in giving versus going, though I don't mind going. I've been to Nepal, and I've been to Mexico, and um, both of them broke my heart, and God did some amazing things there. Helping you, the impact of giving. The next page, I'm going to be cutting some short here, but you got it before you. I'm going to try to fill in the blanks. Some of the goals I do have this next year I want to introduce is a, a life scholarship. That's what I'm going to call it. And... Um, we had a couple of, of the teens through the years when they graduated. They got scholarships from the Italian 
whatever and from different groups. And I thought, why not have a life scholarship where we put 1500 bucks for, for a guy and 1500 for a girl, and it'll be a scholarship. We've got certain things, parameters, and what you do to, uh, to have your name in the hat. And, you know, look at all that is. If we get 250 bucks a month or $2 a person per week, we can do that scholarship and, and have a scholarship available through the school that they're going to promote the life scholarship. And you know what that has? It has some parameters about how to, how to do some godly principles, how to, we actually get to add a God element back into their process, what they're looking at, how to be. So I'm looking to introduce a life scholarship to our local uh, school here, to Shadyside High School. It'll be a way for us to give back and sow seeds into the community and into the lives of the, of the young people. Say amen? Is that a good thing or what? All right, you see some projects. We're actually working on new entry doors. Um, there'll be one center entry door out here. Brock uh, Nightingale, is Brock here this morning? Yeah, he's in the soundboard. Yay! He does this for a living, and he makes custom doors for like million-dollar homes in Pittsburgh, and we've got million-dollar doors going on our front entry because God put it on his heart to, uh, to really craft and to uh, make um, custom doors for us. So in a matter of a couple of weeks, you're going to see those doors going up, and uh, they're stained, and if you don't like the color, we don't want to hear it. Um, it's too late to change it now. Um, but anyway, so thank you, Brock, for uh, responding and being obedient to God. And we're finding out just how good he is because it's really, uh, you'll love these new doors. Uh, what I like about him is I can walk out the door with somebody and I don't hit that center post that's there. It's going to be totally wide open. It'll keep me from bruises on my face. A couple of the other things you can see down there, that's, gonna, that's still got to happen. Um, more goals, look at that. How about celebrating God moments? See? Uh, salvation, discipleship, baptism. Um, we're we're going to do uh, baptism for uh, on Easter Sunday. Uh, I've been, I just put in the bulletin. It's new. The elders are saying, what? We didn't know anything about that. Um, we'll talk about it. <laughs> um, we want to have inflatables. We want to have a party up here on Sunday night, and then we want to do baptisms. And so that's going to be part of it. I'm hoping that we'll have a full... We'll have a lot, three or four different uh, games out here, a rock wall. We're gonna, we want you to invite the community. Everybody does some Easter egg hunt for Sunday morning and afternoon, but not much that I know of in the evening. So we're looking to do something kind of new in the evening. So we'll be talking about that with the worship team. We want you to come. We'll have that as part of our time in here. And then we'll baptize people. So that's coming up. Um, that's celebrating salvation, discipleship, baptism. Regen means to regenerate. That's what our youth is. We're, we're, we're back plugging away at that again, trying to establish that for your kids, for your teens. And uh, we're hoping that, uh, that uh, you'll invest in them by getting them up here. We have that now Sunday mornings during church, as well as Wednesday nights, um, specific to them, and then other events where we can get together with the kids. Uh, Fortify Mops is one of them. We talked about that earlier, but Mops is to uh, help... Uh, because this is outreach, and it's also an investment in, in moms, just giving them. Um, one of the moms said to me that they had, uh, and they'll remain anonymous because I didn't ask for permission, but uh, you know how they're, they were struggling with this depression. Mom, some of you know how that is. How important it is to be able to have a place where you can come and you can meet with other moms who are going through some of the same things, and you can have your spirits lifted and you can be encouraged and have a little breather from your kids. Though they're a blessing, sometimes it, it, it gets tough to do that. So uh, mops. Life groups is something I want to do. I want to meet in. I want to see people meeting together. Revamping kids ministry, you're going to find we're going to invest in, in that space uh, to where the kids have some ownership. It's going to be a great uh, place for them to, to look forward to coming on a Sunday morning. Leadership and elders, we're working on Timothy training. I sent out letters this last week. Um, we're behind because I wanted to start in January, but it's just the way it is. So we're, we're starting that. I prayed for and asked God for specific people in our church. And uh, if you didn't get a letter, it's okay. If you'd like to participate, it doesn't mean you're going to be an elder. It just means you can have that training. And uh, we'll see if God says that about you. But that training is going to be happening on Sunday nights, every other Sunday through the rest of the year as we get started. So I'm asking for those two uh, people to consider that. Uh, leadership training. Right now, training is something that we have which is good for information and inspiration. And uh, then we've got bridge events. So go ahead and turn over to that next page and we'll finish up, okay? 
Am I going too fast? Say, yes, you are. <laughs> Bridge events. I've just got to do this one time a year, folks, and, and that's that giving you as much as I can about this church that you're, you're, you're at today that hopefully will inspire you and encourage you about the work of God among us. Amen? So here we call bridge events. This is something new that God, uh, God spoke to my heart about, and that is, is taking people, what does a bridge do? It, it, it brings something that where there's a gap and it, it makes a path. And so bridge events is, is how we, we are going to get to know each other better. It's a way that we're going to spend time in fellowship with one another and we'll be able to be encouraged and inspired and we get to share one another's stories. That's called testimony. So rubbing elbows, touching hearts, that's what bridge events are intended to do. Building bridges, helping connect people. So those are things like community events. When we go and serve, even for the hot cocoa outreach, where we're just giving people a a little eight-ounce cup of some hot cocoa in the parade route. Um, When you're in that parade and it's pretty stinking cold, you really like that hot cocoa. So we did somewhere around, do you think 600 cups was it? I think it was somewhere around 600 or maybe even 800 cups. 40 gallons. Yeah, whatever that equals divided by 6.7 ounces, that's what it is. So we we did a whole bunch of that. And uh, this last year it was cool because we had some mugs and uh, we were able to give those mugs away. And uh, there were around 400 of those. So anyway, community events, Loop Festival, where uh, we really help. We're not known. Somebody wouldn't say that's a New Life Fellowship. That's their event. Um, We were going to do a block party. The Alumni Association come along and they asked us, would we be willing to help them? And we said, yeah, I'll just join on. The idea is where there's a crowd, let's go into the crowd. See, so we took our, our own little personal event and said, scrap that, we'll join in with the Loop Festival. That's how the Loop Festival got started. And um, Terry Driscoll's been big in helping that uh, get started, and, and a lot of you have served at it. So we'll be doing that again in June, uh, Loop Festival, community events. Um, another one is we participate in, Joel sometimes runs sound, Joseph uh, Mastracy sometimes plays for the uh, community days in the fall. We also help many of you. How many of you served in the Fireman's Festival? Some of you sign up and you, you're in the grease pits and you're in your French fries and you're all these things that we're there. I call bingo. How's that? Oh, boy. I call bingo um, and uh, it's just a way to serve them. I don't, like, I don't play bingo personally. I don't necessarily care for it. I'm not into gambling. I don't support gambling. Um, I like to think of it more fun, and that's what we try to do. But uh, I, I call bingo just because they need help. Cookouts, doing things like that. Um, family fun or game nights, that's here Friday nights usually. Uh, we're calling that Easter Sunday evening, we're calling that a family uh, fun night. Uh, life groups, men's breakfast, something uh, usually is on the second Saturday of every month. Movie nights is something I'd like to get, especially in the winter next year. I'd like to start doing something that uh, we can give local kids and adults a place to come and have a movie night, Christian or good movies. Um, Outreach, the things that we do, outreach simply means going beyond ourselves and reaching out. And so we have a ministry that I'm going to launch this year called REACH, R-E-A-C-H, and uh, that has a specific uh, purpose. I'll, I'll give you that later. Sitting and seeking is just sometimes we come in here and we just ask, uh, we put some soft music on. We have some reading. We, I try to lead people toward uh, listening for God's voice and then writing it down. And sitting and seeking is, uh, some churches call it soaking services. And soaking sounds like we should be in tubs or something. So um, we just do a sitting and seeking, all right? You'll have an opportunity to come for that in the, uh, in the near future. Uh, special events and simulcasts. We've hosted men's and women's events. Uh, marriage events, and we'll continue with that. Summer camp, women's events. Ladies, if you'd like something, um, we need to get working on that. We need a couple of the women who want to invest that way to uh, step up, and we'll see what we can do, um, how we can facilitate that. Worship nights, we just had one recently, and that was a uh, cool time where uh, um, his presence, he just made himself known. Our whole emphasis was really on worship, and then we had a couple things of reading scripture. Another thing we do is the county fair. We actually sell the tickets at the gates for the county, Belmont County Fair, and uh, that's in, uh, that's in the uh, fall. So we stand out there. They make a donation. I think it totals out to about four bucks an hour, 
uh, we're not there to get the money. It's just, that's a nice thing that we get. And that, that funds some of the things we do for youth. And when you hear me tell you, don't ever let money stand in the way, that means that, that somebody comes to me and says, I'd like to go to that concert, but I don't have 20 bucks. I'll say, what do you got? And you'll say 10. I'll say, okay, I'll cover the other 10. How can we do that? Because we have these things like this that we put in. It's more important that you go and be in something like that. And, and if you can be good stewards, then, hey, if you run up short, it's okay. We'll cover you. We covered people for the marriage retreat. We'll do that at any time because it's a faith principle. All right? Never let money be the deciding factor. If God said do it, we find a way to help you to make that happen and to do it. Amen? Um, I think that's it. Worship nights. And then here it is. The, the last one says, ultimately, is look at that target down there on the bottom. This is, this is a, a good illustration that a pastor in a mega church, they call them, is uh, established that you kind of got your core group. And we like to think that's the elder pastors and the big G, God, right in the center. And from there, that's a core group that it goes out to those who are committed to goes out to the congregation, out to the crowd, and ultimately out to the community. Another way of looking at that is Jerusalem in the center and Judea and Samaria and then the uttermost. As it branches out, the range gets bigger. But it also means is our, it shows the level of our commitment. So some people are heavily committed and they're part of our, the core. They've been here in my 14 years. You've been with me all along. You're part of the core. Even if you're not elders, even if you don't consider yourself leaders, you've been near and dear and you've stuck with this church. You've been part of it. You're a core group simply by, by that. Um, being faithful. Then you've got committed who have been here in the same way. They're committed to different things. They're not, they don't want leadership. They don't want some of these other things, but they're committed. And then the congregation, then the crowd and the community. And what we're constantly doing is the blanks are where I am versus where I want to be, where I am versus where I want to be or belong. Can we end, uh, go ahead and cue up that video? Are we ready for that? Go ahead and get uh, Joel. Can somebody run back and get Joel? Make sure. Yeah, the teams can come on in. And then I want you to see this movie, this, uh, this short video, not movie, sorry. This short video. So I'm just going to ask you to hang with me a couple more minutes because this is, in, this is inspiring. Okay? Ready? Everybody just get up right where you're at real quick. Just do a stretch. I want to see you. Go ahead. Get up there. Show the stains under your arms. Come on, go ahead. Stand up. Do this. Just got a little bit of... This is a pastor in Philadelphia. And um, he's got, a, uh, he's, he's got a, uh, something he did that, that I've always loved. And so uh, we're just giving them a second to get back in here. And we'll cue this up, watch it, and we'll be done. Okay? Anybody have any questions I can answer as part of the process? We're ready? It's pardon? Um, no, it's going to be the other one. Yeah, Tony. Um, and we'll cue it up in just a second. Getting the youth back in. They watched this a couple weeks ago. Okay. East Coast, those of you who have been Go ahead and start it over. Can you do like that? Three o'clock in the morning. Go ahead and start and it back, back over. And then now go ahead and be seated, and then we'll watch this, and we'll be finished. If you go to Honolulu from the East Coast, those of you who have been there know that you wake up like at three o'clock in the morning. And you can't get back to sleep. And I'm, I'm hungry. And I, I went looking for something to eat. And even at that wee hour of the morning, in a bustling city like Honolulu, you can't find a place that's open. But up a side street, I did find a place. I went and sat down on the stool. There was a greasy spoon. No booze, just a row of stools in front of the counter in, and this fat guy with a dirty, filthy, greasy apron came out, pulled his cigar out, put it down, and said, what do you want? I didn't touch the menu. It was one of those plastic menus that grease had piled up on it. And I knew that if I opened it, something extraterrestrial would crawl out. I said, I'd like a cup of coffee and a donut. So he poured the coffee, and then he did this. And he picked up the donut. I hate that. So I'm sitting there, 3.30 in the morning, drinking my coffee and eating this dirty donut. 
into the room come about eight or nine prostitutes, and they sat down on either side of me. And I tried to disappear. <laughs> and the one on my immediate right said, Tomorrow's my birthday, she said to her friend. I'm going to be 39. Her friend said, So what do you want me to do? Sing happy birthday? You want a cake? What, do you, what should we do? Have a party for you? You're going to be 39. First woman said, Look, I don't, I'm not expecting anything. I just, why do you have to put me down? And then she said, with a crack in her voice, I've never had a birthday party in my whole life. I don't expect to have one now. That did it. I waited till, you know, till they all left. And I was the only one left. I called Harry over. I said, do they come in here every night? He said, yeah. I said, the one next to me? He said, Agnes. I said, tomorrow's her birthday. What do you say we decorate the place? And when she comes in tomorrow, we have a birthday party for her because I heard her say she's never had a birthday party in her whole life. He said, mister, that's brilliant. That is brilliant. Jane, he called his wife out of the back room. She did the cooking. He wants to throw a birthday party for Agnes. I thought, jeez, this is great. She comes out. She grabs my hand. She says, mister, you wouldn't understand this because of what she does, you know. But she's one of the kind people in this town. She's one of the caring people in this town. <coughs> I said, uh, look, can I, can I decorate the place? She said, to your heart's content. I said, I'm going to bring a birthday cake. Harry said, oh, no, the cake's my thing. I thought, oh, geez. You know, <laughs> so I got there the next morning. I got there the next morning at about 2.30. I had bought crepe paper at the Kmart, strung it across the plate, place, made a big sign that said, happy birthday, Agnes, put it on the mirror behind the counter. I had the place spruced. Jane, who got, does the cooking, got the word out on the street so that by 3.15, every prostitute in Honolulu was squeezed into this place. I mean, people, it was wall-to-wall -wall prostitutes and me. 3.30 <laughs> in the morning, the door opens. In comes Agnes and her friends. I got everybody poised, everybody ready. The minute she walked through the door, we yell, Happy birthday, Agnes, and all start cheering like mad. I've never seen anybody so stunned in my life. Her knees buckled. They steadied her and got her and sat her down on a chair. And we started singing, happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday, dear Agnes. And when they brought out the cake, she lost it and started to cry. Harry just stood there with the cake. And finally, he said, all right, Agnes, knock it off. Blow out the candles, Agnes. Come on, blow out the candles. She tried and she couldn't. So he blew out the candles. And handed her the knife and said, now cut the cake. Come on now, cut the cake. She sat there for a long moment. And then she said to me, is it all right if I don't cut the cake? She said, what I'd really like to do is take the cake home and show it to my mother. I said, it's your cake. She stood up. I said, do you have to do it now? She said, I live two doors down. Let me take the cake home. I'll bring it right back. I promise she picked up the cake. She pushed through the crowd and out the door. And as the door swung slowly shut, dead silence. The whole group was stunned. I didn't know what to say. Finally, after a few uneasy moments, I said, what do you say we pray? It's weird looking back on it now. A sociologist leading a prayer meeting with a bunch of prostitutes at 3.30 in the morning in a diner in Honolulu was the right thing to do. And I prayed that God would deliver her from what dirty, filthy men had done to her. Usually starting like it, you know, when they're about 12 or 13. And then they're ruined and hurt. And when I finished praying that God would make her new, that God would give her back everything that had been taken from her. I said amen and lifted my eyes, and Harry was right in my face. He said, hey, Campolo, you told me you were a sociologist. You're no sociologist. You're a preacher. What kind of church you belong to? And one of those moments when you come up with just the right words, I said, I belong to a church that throws birthday parties for whores at 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> I thought that was a clever answer. I'll never forget his response. He looked back and he said, no, you don't. 
No, you don't. He said, I would join a church like that. (laughs) Wouldn't we all? Wouldn't we all join a church that threw birthday parties for whores at 3.30 in the morning? I got news for you. That is the kind of church that Jesus came to create. He came to create a church that was filled with people that move out into the world and bring celebration and joy into the lives of those who have nothing to celebrate and have no joy, to bring celebration to those who are brokenhearted and beaten down, to lift them up and give them some joy in their life. That's what you are called to do. You are called to be agents of God, to spread his love and his joy into a loveless and joyless world. That's what you're called to do. And if you surrender to Christ and let him cleanse you and let the spirit fill within you, his spirit will constrain you, says scripture, constrain you, drive you to do loving and joyful things in a world devoid of joy and love. Do you hear me? You know, when God first saved me and called me, it was always to this radical part because I grew up with religion that he called me to something that was going to be radical and different and unique. And it's so easy to fall into that little rut of religion and say doing church. But that's, that's part of it. When I saw this, that it was exactly, it, it was totally what God called us to do is how can we reach those who need. He says, I didn't come for the healthy. They don't need the physician. It's the sick. It's those who are distraught. It's those who are trapped in in this cycle that just leads down the the toilet. You know, and folks, that's what what we want to do. That's what God wants his church to do. This whole thing about all the things that I talked about today, it's all about becoming the church that, that Jesus Christ wants us to be. And we have to do that by tearing down walls and by connecting our lives Because together we can accomplish so much greater than any one of us could do. I want to just end with this, that I had a big fail this week. I had a big fail. I could actually say it went into last week, but it it, it actually happened this week too. And that fail is is that I didn't meet somebody's expectations of of me as a pastor. That they had hoped more from me. That they wanted something more from me. And... uh, I just didn't do that. You want to call that busyness? I'm not making any excuses. Uh, I've just realized that this week, I kind of fell on my face. And uh, what it does is it exposes the need that I can't, I can't handle it. I can't do it. I can no longer. Um, I, I just can't minister to the needs of the people in the church by myself. I can't do it. Tried to for the longest time. Tried to make up for the, the lack. Tried to do it. And, and what I did is I've disappointed, I've failed. Um, I, I, I thought this week I, I was kind of confronted by people that that's happened to through the years. Sometimes they, they, they're not in church today, not here, because I failed them. Because I, I said, I'll do something, and then I didn't do it. And something else may have come up. So I, I'm, I'm witnessing this week to people who don't know Jesus, don't go to church. And in that, I've missed taking care of some of the people who go to church. And I thought back on Paul and the book of Acts, and it says that the widows weren't being fed and they weren't being cared for, and there was grumbling and complaining. And, and he says, well, we're going to serve God, and we're going to read the Bible and study and pray. He says, appoint faithful people, faithful men, who can go about doing this stuff. We need to focus on this. And I thought, Joel, when are you going to get that? So I want to empower and equip and raise you up because, you know, what happens is there's an old thing that says, well, I've got to have pastor come and see me. And if you get seven people from the church to come see you, you might not feel like you've been cared for, but you've been cared for seven times. And they all are representatives of the heart of the pastor of the church. And so I'd love to be everywhere I I can, but I just, I've learned I can't, see? And so it comes a way that, that there's, I need your help. And that's what I'm ending with today is I need your help. And I need you to invest in these classes. I need you to invest that, that uh, how do you give them? He says to faithful people. Jesus says, if you're faithful with little, you'll be given much. I need you to be faithful by attending classes and, and learning what we're about and, 
getting to, to have that message in your heart that you literally can speak on behalf of the pastor because you know his heart, and his heart is what comes from the heart of God. It's not, it's not mine, it's his. And if it's not his, what I had to do this week is to apologize because I let somebody down. And there's people in this room that I've let you down or I've let your family down, and uh, that's humbling. A pastor doesn't want to fail. A pastor doesn't want to let people down. Pastor doesn't, me, I don't want to make excuses. But folks, if we're going to continue to see his kingdom come, we're going to have to learn how to love one another to a greater degree, and we have to spread that net out bigger than who I am. And so that's part of the reason and the passion behind the message today is that I don't just need your your, your ability, I need your availability. That's what God's after. He'll give you the ability. Uh, what I'm going to do is plug you in. I'll take you with me. I'll involve you. I'll do whatever I can. But don't don't rely on me coming to you. Please come to me. Please, today, 2 o'clock to 6 o'clock, we're having a class 101 and 201. Joel's teaching one class. I'm teaching the other. It's a progression toward getting equipped and prepared and ready for what God wants to do. And I believe that the time for us to be ready, we better be in training. we got to be ready when the time comes. So folks, just consider that as you pray this week and as you think about what are you supposed to do and why are you at this church? And I can tell you it's a whole lot more than singing songs or uh, any feel good. It's about God wants you and he wants you to serve his purposes. Let's pray. Let's stand. Thank you, Jesus. Father, thank you for uh, every person in this room today that, God, they're here not by some uh, chance happening. And so, God, they even endured even longer than usual. So, God, I thank you that um, you know how the preacher gets beat up when service goes long. So I just thank you, God, that uh, this is all about you. If I can convey your heart, God, for, for these people, for this, uh, this church, for this valley, for this region, for, for the world, God, let it be that that's what, uh, that's what people got today is how much you love and you've proven it through the person of Jesus Christ. And I pray, God, that we're all going to learn to live beyond our own boundaries, that, God, we're going to begin to rise up into to new places of love, love, loving one another, loving you, God, and that we're going to see this church, uh, really, your kingdom come in our midst in a greater way. I pray for our visitors this morning that... Uh, they might have gotten more than they bargained for. <laughs> but God, I pray that uh, they've heard most, mostly, they've heard your heart, God, and that they leave blessed, that they leave knowing and acknowledging that they exist that for a specific purpose. Lord, we love you, and I pray your blessing on each and every family. I pray the blessing of your presence, God. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. And everybody says... Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you.